All right, we are back with episode 27 of the Clinch Perfect podcast. Um, ben, and as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello, hello, hello. All the more better for seeing you, my friend. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been, well, it's been a week since we ran like 40 minutes over our usual episode time talking about a certain uh, Aussie bloke. Yeah, what's that? I can't remember what I called him. I called him like the Great Hobbit or something in an article recently. <laughs> <laughs> big fan, big up the Volk. What a performance. What yeah. loads of fights to talk about, actually. I, I mean, the whole I, I card thought... was probably one of the best cards. I mean, I, I wasn't paying that much attention to it, I have to be honest, because I had some yeah, social no, interaction right, during Let's the card for the first time Let... in bloody months. Let's backtrack. So I get a message from Bengi on you. I'm going to be a bit sashy today. Um, it borderlined on the illegible. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> sashy, I was... yeah. <laughs> a bit doesn't do justice. Um, yeah, I went to see, I think I might have mentioned this on the on the pod last week, but I went to see a mate I've not seen since pre-COVID. And um, yeah, he um, he parties considerably harder than I do. So, um, you know, I, I kept I kept up, but it did not um, bode well for me in the, in the later stages of the card. So if there's a moment in this where you're like, that's not what happened. Then, uh, then just correct me, and I'll uh, I'll rewatch the fights another time. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. What should we start with? I, actually, what am I saying? There's only one. Per- We've got to start with probably the fight of the year, shoo-in, in my opinion. And I, round I, of the year, I was, definitely round three. We were we were bigging it up beforehand because we kind of thought something special was going to happen in our previous podcast. I, I, I mean, I've been on the Volk hype train for ages. Actually, a hype train is wrong because I enjoy the featherweight division as it is. I like Max, I like Giga Chikadze, I like all of them. But I've always felt that Volk's been a bit hard done by by maybe maybe hardcore devoted fans of a certain fighter. Um, but I think there's no questions now. You gotta you gotta respect the guy. Like how he got out of that submission, I have no idea. To get out of a guillotine and then to get out of the triangle is just like against a guy whose game is literally submissions. I was going like, to say, not just any triangle, a T-City triangle. Like he is literally Brian, Triangle, City, Ortega. And uh, I mean, the craziest part was, I don't know, if you, maybe it was because I was so messed up and I just was transfixed by that one moment and it's really stuck out in my memory. But um, I don't remember, was it the triangle when Volk, like the camera just caught Volk making like direct eye contact with him? He was like, looking at him like, not today, motherfucker. And it was just one of the most epic, like coldest, most badass moments I've seen in a title fight. Well, you could you could see his head going purple. I don't know if it's because yeah. he, he shaved his hair or anything, but you, could, you know, like those cartoon movies where they're like strangling someone and it's kind of like their head's about to burst. That's what it, it was looked turned like to into. Me. I, was uh, like, I don't remember her name. The girl in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> that turns into a giant. Violet Beauregard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he looked like. Um, yeah, that moment where he made eye contact with him in the submission, I was like, oh, this motherfucker's not losing. Like, it, it just, that was the moment for me. I was like, he, if he's not tapping now and he's staring into his soul while the guy's trying to choke him unconscious, um, yeah, that was the moment for me. I was like, nah, this is over. You've hit the nail on the head. It's championship mindset, isn't it? It's championship mentality. He'd been going on all week about how Ortega doesn't have, like, the 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 bulls to be a champion, essentially. Like, he farts around, doesn't get down with the integrity. For me, it was a very... I mean, Volk striking was on point. I thought Ortega, to his credit, stood and banged and caught him a couple of times and, and did a fair bit of damage. But I mean, when you saw them, when you saw them at the end, and Volk's got a bit of blood on him, and 
Ortega literally looks like he's gone 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. Like, well, I think was... he said he, he, he's got a broken orbital. So um, I think striking in particular was something people were underestimating for Volk. Um, you know, you said people underestimate him because of Max. Um, it's true. I'm a Max fanboy. And, um, you know, I try to be unbiased, but it was impossible after that second fight not to be like, you know, fuck that guy. He's not a legit <laughs> champion. But, you know, people need to think about the fact that as we say, he's just been in submission attempts from Ortega, one of the greatest submission experts in the entire roster. He stood for basically 50 minutes. I know there was a couple takedowns with Max and, um, you know, won a mostly striking battle um, both times. Whatever you think of the decision, the result is the result. And, um, yeah, I mean, his striking this looked, I think, the best it's ever looked in terms of, like, the way he was using angles and switching stances so effortlessly and, and cutting off the cage and, I don't think Ortega ever really stood a chance in the stand-up, even though he's improved a lot as well. Yeah, again, that's, that's a good point because the Ortega that Volkanovski fought is not the Ortega that Holloway fought. Yeah, There's, and that's not like, even Ortega. taking a shot at Max because no, it's, it's just true. <laughs> yeah, he leveled up in his striking and he got a new team around him and all that. Still does not have a block, though. I, I know no. everyone's seen that clip. <laughs> he has no Max defense him how to block. Yeah, he, he needs to go back and watch that a couple more times because he obviously didn't remember it during the fight. But I, I think it was, it felt like to me like the coming out party for Volkanovski. I, I, I yeah. think, I actually want to pose, pose the question to you. Where would you, rank, on the, say we do a pound pound list, right? Where would you put him? I mean, from, in my mind, John Jones is top and then um, maybe Usman. Well, I would where have would said, I would have agreed with you, Jones top until obviously what happened Friday, was it? Um, I don't know if you've seen the further details of that. I was going to come on here and make a bunch of jokes about it, but I read today that his kid, asked a security guard to call the cops, which is just the most harrowing, devastating thing I've ever heard. Like a six-year-old little girl having to, knowing that the, that she needed to call the cops on her dad. Um, I mean, that's so fucked up. I'm not putting Jones in my list just because of that. That like shook me to my core. So um, I would say probably I'd put Volk maybe number two behind um, Marty Snoozman. Uh, <laughs> I think you can't not have Usman first at the moment just because of... I don't know, there's, there's a certain air of excitement about the about the way he's won his last few fights, you know what I mean? And not to say that's not been the case with Volk, but, like, Usman's last few finishes have just been so emphatic. Like, fuck you guys, I'm the champ. And, um, yeah, but I think Volk definitely top three for sure. Um, how can he not be? Like I said, he's just outstruck Max and then beat Ortega with, you know, with a bit of his own game mixed in as well. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to compare Usman's past three fights with... No, past five fights with Volk's past five fights. So with Volkanovski, obviously you have Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway twice, and Ortega. I mean, there's a couple of legends in there. There's former title contenders in there. There's former champions in there. With Usman, you've got Masvidal, Colby Covington, Masvidal. Um, who else am I forgetting? Tyron Woodley. Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns. Now, without being disrespectful... Masvidal isn't championship caliber. I would make the same argument for Gilbert Burns. Colby at a push is a former title challenger. And I think Colby's slightly disrespected, and that comes from someone who can't stand the guy. He's so cringy. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not yeah. saying disrespectfully. What I mean is in terms of what he's achieved, he's a former oh, yeah, title yeah, challenger. Yeah. The, and, and Woodley is the only champion who, admittedly, he completely destroyed. I think, Yeah, I was going to say, I think you can count Woodley as a good win because no one really knows what broke Woodley, but... The first point that he was broken was with Usman, so you could kind of have to credit Usman as the one who broke him. Which isn't to just, it's just, I mean, yeah. then if you compare it the two, I mean, Jose Aldo dropped down the weight division, Chad Mendes retired, 
Max Holloway has come back and looked amazing against Calvin Cater, and Brian Ortega is going to need a lot of Botox. Like it's, I feel like it's it's quite an interesting debate. I'm not saying that Volk is, is pound for pound. That would be. I think if you were coming purely thing, from but... a purist's perspective, which I know you are, then I think maybe you could definitely make that argument that Volk should be number one based on the competition for. Main, mainly, I like it because of what I said about. I mean, he stood with Max Holloway for 50 minutes and and won both. And again. Personally, I think he lost 3-2 in the second one, but that doesn't matter. It was it razor close. It wasn't a robbery, so that doesn't matter. The result is the result. Um, you know, if he'd been, you know, if he'd wrestled Max to two decisions, I probably wouldn't agree with you at all. Um, not because it still wouldn't be impressive, just because, like I said, he's beating greatness at what they're great at. Um, I think the only reason from a, a bit more of a casual fan perspective, I think Usman would be number one, is just because of the moments that he's had. Yeah, as um, you say, the finishes, but, yeah. As we said, this felt like a moment for Volk. You know, a couple more of these moments, and he'll be just as you know, just as much one of the biggest superstars on the roster to you know all the casuals out there as everyone else. Um, what did you think of the? Was it the end of the third round when Ortega lay flat on his back for like a solid five seconds? I've seen quite a lot of people saying that should have been stopped right then. I think I agree with them to be honest. The, I mean, he had to be helped to his chair, which I think is illegal anyway. Yes, yeah, it, it is. You've just again summed it up. It's right out of the rule book. You, you can't have your corner team in the ref essentially pick you. And actually, I have a bone to pick here with Herb Dean because Herb Dean, in my eyes, kind of gave Volk a lot more, or gave Ortega a lot more damage than he actually needed. Like there was a lot of unnecessary damage when when he stops the fight and asks the doctor to come in and check on him. He's not answering the questions properly. He's not following his eyes. If you watch when he steps to him, he's wobbling. It just seemed a bit. I think I saw on Twitter actually that someone picked up um, Ortega speaking in Spanish to either his corner or someone there um, and basically said, I can't see shit, but keep that on the DL. Um, and, and I don't know how, how true that is. Like I said, it was just some, some Mexican dude on Twitter who said, oh, I picked this up on the broadcast and, and, and translated it for people on Twitter. Um, but I mean, if that's true, I mean, it just, yeah, it backs up exactly what you're saying. Herb Dean as we know, is forging a bit of a reputation for uh, trying to get fighters killed in there. And uh, yeah, I think it should have been stopped. But also, I mean, fair play to Ortega because I don't think maybe saying he won the fifth round clearly is a bit of a, you know overreaction. I've seen people saying that, but um, he definitely, you know, gave Volk his money's worth in the fifth round, which having taken the damage he's taken, set of balls on that lad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Ortega, I, I could be crazy, but I think Ortega is a future champion. I don't think soon. I don't think in like the next two, three years, but maybe I reckon before he retires, if he's not holding an interim belt at the least, I'd be surprised. I think he's got it in him. Um, I think my kind of issue was like the whole, I mean, I could understand it. It's an American audience. The, the whole, I don't know, like the commentary felt a bit biased to me. I always have my issue oh, with I, DC. I, but... I, yeah, we, don't get me started. You know I love to talk about DC being biased on commentary, man. Um, I've seen multiple clips of like Ortega missing, Volk nice jab, and then, yeah, like, and then DC bro. goes, Oh, what a jab by Brian. I, I don't know whether it's the American thing or maybe it's that he's good buddies with Max. I don't know, but yeah, DC, um, he, he, he does tend to play favorites. Um, but like you said, at the end of the day, um, Ortega gets definite credit from everyone for being a badass, and Volkanovsky is finally getting the credit he, he deserves for just being incredible. Um, should we move on to the uh, to the co main talking of incredible? <laughs> Um, yeah, go on. What Here we go. A, what was it like a, a 10 punch combo in like one second coming off that kick that Shevchenko finished her with? Um, I mean, was this was this result ever really in doubt? The only thing I was wondering is 
would Murphy be able to hold out for a decision? And I think she was well on her way until Valentina threw that absolutely... I mean, one of the best combos I've ever seen, to be honest. Like, so smooth out of the kick. It reminded me of that one um, Cowboy threw. I can't remember who it was against. But you see it on all the highlight packages of Cowboy where he head kicked a dude and then landed like a three, four punch combo out of it. Um, yeah. I'll have to find it afterwards. But uh, yeah, I mean, what more can we say about Shevchenko? Should we, should we say what we say every time we talk about her? Uh, does it begin with Amanda and end in Nunez? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I've said it before, seven, seven, best of seven series. It's 2 it's 0 Amanda. I know a lot of people think it's 1 1, but it's 2 0 Amanda. And um, let's just have a best of seven series. Did you see Bisping saying on his podcast that they should do it at 1.30? Um, <laughs> I, I love Michael Bisping. He's got me into MMA. He's, you know, probably my favorite of all time. Certainly my favorite commentator. Um, Amanda Nunes can't make 1.30, bro. She can barely make 1.35. <laughs> so just uh, let's just put that one in the um, yeah bad takes. Just touching yeah. on that combination that Shevchenko threw. It really, it's a bad analogy, but you know, like when you play Mortal Kombat or something and you just like <laughs> hold down the X. It just reminded me of like mashing the X button. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it didn't seem, there didn't seem to be much uh, effort behind it. It just seemed like, as you say, fluid. No, it's just, yeah, smooth, so smooth, so fluid. Um, yeah, just incredible. I mean, I, I think it's a fair argument sometimes that Shevchenko, when she has fought to decisions in the past, has been a little bit like, oh, it's a Shevchenko title fight. Well, that's not interesting because she's going to, like the, the Maya fight was like, meh, whatever, she's going to win. Um, but her, her, her last couple of performances, like she's, it feels like she would be going in there to go, I'm, I'm the, you know, the female goat. And uh, obviously that can't be settled until we get that best of seven series I want. But um, I don't know. I, I like, um, you know, gunning for the finish Shevchenko a lot. Yeah, she's a bit like she's a bit like Black Widow. That's what she reminds me of, like uh, like a, a nasty Russian assassin. And she speaks like five languages as well. Like yeah. if she, she always says she's not a spy when people ask, but if she's not, she's doing a bloody good job of making everyone think she is. <laughs> um, yeah. What do we have before that? Uh, oh, Nick Diaz, the return of Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. Um, well, you just you just said about um, the Mortal Kombat thing. What I thought at one point in this was there was a moment where Diaz threw the same shot like six times in a row and Lola like blocked the first couple and then didn't and then like stopped like didn't block successfully on the next. And it was like in UFC four where you're, you're playing someone online and you throw this like the same, I don't know, overhand a couple times and they block and then they think you're gonna switch and go to the body, but you just reverse psychology them and keep throwing the same shot. It was exactly like that. Like I swear, Nick has pulled that straight from online matches in UFC four. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's his game plan. I'll tell you what you I really enjoyed it. I'll be honest. I, I don't want to see it again. I don't I don't really want to see either of them in the octagon again. But I I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't think I don't think Nick really wants to be there at all. I, think no, I don't really more... buy the he quit though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I I've seen a lot of people saying that, and it just seems to be the common. But I think it's just because the way he went down on one knee, it looked like it. But if you see on the replay, he actually got caught behind the back of the ear, which you know fucks up your equi- equilibrium instantly. And it's very similar to what he hit Robbie with in in the uh, in the first match, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I don't don't agree with that he quit, but. Um, yeah, I do agree that it was, it felt kind of sad. Like, okay, now let's let's stop this when it ended. Do you know what I mean? MMA thriller is how I thought it was. It was entertaining whilst it lasted. Don't think it would last much longer than it did. Was surprised that it actually lasted as long as it did. I thought when Robbie came out like, the blocks, I was like, oh, oh god, this yeah. is going to be brutal. I would, yeah, um, that scared me a little bit. 
But no, it was fun. It, it, it was just two veterans having a bit of a show. I mean, it doesn't do anything to Diaz's record or resume, from, in, in my opinion. He's still a legend. They'll always have that win over Lawler just because of where they were at in their careers. It doesn't really do anything for me that Lawler got one back. Um, although credits him for, for looking way better than he has in his past four fights, I guess. Like, ruthless was the word for it. But yeah, it just... I don't know. It didn't leave a sour taste in my mouth because it was just cool seeing Nick Diaz fight. Like the last time I've seen Nick Diaz fight was <laughs> the infamous fight with Anderson Silva where they both popped for different substances. But <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's a bit of a sad, it is a bit, it is a bit of a sad feeling because it's the end of an era. But at the same time, it's also cool because it's like, he got the pop. Like no one cared about any other fights on that card. But when no, Nick Diaz and, made that And like walk, you say, it was a fun fight. Um, I think I tweeted on, on our Clinch Perfect Twitter account that unpopular opinion it might suck this fight like I had, a, I had a bad feeling just I wasn't I wasn't sure it would I wasn't like saying it definitely will but I just had a sneaky feeling that might be one of them that we all get hyped up for and then neither of them live up to it and they're both maybe a little bit tense but there was no tentativeness <laughs> both just decided fuck it let's give them a show um and you know hats off to both guys for that yeah as you said they're just they're just pain it, it felt to me like an ode to the old days like the, the, Nick Diaz just was just Nick Diaz throughout the entire fight week, not turning up for press calls, not turning up for like weighing day and changing the weight class like what three days before the fight. It just, but it was cool. It was that's, that's the only way I can describe it. Like it was like an old school fight. Like you, you've got the the heel, you've got the people's hero, you've got the I don't know, it's just a bit of everything. But I don't want to see him do it again. I don't really. I don't. I don't understand why I came back. Well, actually, that's an issue. That, this is another issue I have. So you know how loads of MMA sites and stuff put up like UFC fighter pay compliances and all that rubbish yeah. about like paychecks? Every single pay article that you see, and Dana kind of said this in a press conference yesterday about contender series, is bullshit. They only disclose what is like... How do I describe it? So uh, to put this into context, each fighter is an LLC, right? They have their own company. So it's like the Nate, Nate Diaz Limited or whatever. So what the UFC disclose is the fighter paycheck that they receive. They don't disclose like the consultation fee that they get, their actual money. They just disclose what they tell the commission, which is, oh, they're yeah. going to get this. this like, I wouldn't read anything into it. Why do you think all these fighters, I'm going to go off on a rant on fighter pay here, but why do you think all these fighters, <laughs> why do you think all these fighters go to the UFC and don't go to Bellator and don't go to Cage Warriors and don't go to PFL and don't go to one championship? Why because do they it's worth the what they're making extras based on the, the exposure. It's not yeah. even worth what they're yeah. making extras. It's literally what they get paid and just don't disclose. Like, why would if someone came up to them, if, if someone came up to me in the street and asked me what I made, I wouldn't tell them. Why would I? It's rude. You don't ask people what they get paid from. Like, it's just the whole notion to me is just ridiculous. Like, people complain about fighter pay and yet they don't actually like chat to a fighter and ask about it properly. And if a fighter has a complaint about pay, fair enough. And they'll say it but they're not actually complaining about like their base salary. They just think they should be getting a bit more for a bigger fight. Like John Jones, for instance, thinking he should get more fighting Francis Ngannou. It's not all oh, the UFC are paying me badly. It's just, I want Floyd Mayweather money. Like, great, but you're also not getting paid. Like, you're getting paid more for the UFC than you would be paying, getting paid for fighting in Bellator, for instance. It's just always this, this narrative that because the UFC are the big bad, they, they don't pay their fighters. If they didn't pay them, why are they there? Like, it just... It, honestly 
anyway, back to Nate Diaz. Nick Diaz, <laughs> sorry. I was going to say, you're just getting, just getting your little rant in there, mate, to get yeah. yourself a job in the future. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm being serious. I just, it, it, it baffles me beyond belief. Um, I mean, you, I get... you, you accidentally said Nate there. Should we talk about Nate? Because he was tweeting, yeah. um, was it last night about, he just tweeted, I think like December dot, dot, dot. And obviously we don't know who the opponent is. There was a lot of rumors, both him and Luke were talking back to each other um, in quite a like kind of, you know, fun, respectful, banterous way. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, if it's Luke, that's a really bad decision. I'll just say that. Um, Luke probably will rip every piece of scar tissue off Nate's body until he's just like a just walking pile of blood. Um, but I've seen some talk of Tony Ferguson. That would be a lot of fun. And um, I think possible, you know, farewell fight for Tony. He would make a hell of a lot of money on that one as well. Um, so that's one I'd like to see just from, you know, both those guys getting paid like crazy. More so Tony, because... You know, I know Nate has made plenty of money off pay-per-views, but um, yeah, I feel like Tony missed out on the big Habib fight and, um, you know, give him Diaz instead. Yeah, I, th- I think both were, I mean, the, the Luke one doesn't really, I don't really get it at all, I'll be honest, because just uh, Nate's well, always after the, the money. All, and... all he's doing there is doing Luke a favor in the title picture because Luke's beat, like, you know, the sort of tough guys that um, don't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they don't resonate with the casuals, like Michael Chiesa, who is a hell of a tough fight, but no casuals looking at that fight and going, "Oh, Luke should get a title shot now." But then if he adds to that win streak, Nate Diaz, suddenly he's right there in the title. So I think all all Nate's doing there is doing Luke a favor. Um, but yeah, I mean, whoever he fights, like who cares? It's just awesome to have the Diaz we're, we're brothers tuning doing in either way. Yeah. <laughs> if it is Tony Ferguson though, that's going to be. I mean, I felt like that fight should have been made years ago. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, it'd just be awesome. Like, it, it would feel a little bit like um, the Lawler and Nick fight, like, on crack. Like, because <laughs> they're, they're both even more insane pace-wise. They're both even more insane with, like, the versatility of things and 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 diversity of strikes that they throw. Um, the wrestling would be super fun to see, you know, c- can Tony hold him down and elbow the hell out of him or is, is Nate's wrestling too good? Would they even go to them? I don't know. Would they even go to the mat? I don't know. But um, And also, Nate, I feel that I've always stood by this that nate is a really good lightweight i've always had nate like i've actually had nate on my pound pound list on in the lightweight division i think he's i think lightweight nate diaz is far better than the people give him credit for it's just the fact he's fought a welterweight for so long that people kind of forget what he did at lightweight but um, yeah yeah it'll be interesting because it, it, i feel like they're both without wanting to sound too disrespectful in the sort of same place in their careers like no, probably I think not that's fair yeah i think that's fair um neither of the i mean this is the UFC, so I was about to say neither of them are in the title shot anytime soon. But Nate wins a couple; he probably is. Let's be honest. I mean, Nate's in the um, title shot with losing yeah. or not. Like all he has to do is call someone out, and they'll give him a shot. So. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> he could call out Francis and Garner, and they'd probably give him a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. But um, yeah, I think we're both in agreement there that Nate versus Tony is uh, is the fight to make. And uh, I mean, I'd support the Luke fight, but that's because I love Vicente Luque. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on to the big boys, shall we? Blades and Rosenstrike. Um, this pretty much went exactly how I said it was going to go. Just just throwing that out there. Um, back, what, six months ago when they made the matchup, I said, oh, God, I don't want to see Blades lying on Rosenstrike for 15 minutes. And to be fair to Josinho, he did better than I thought he would do, both in keeping the fight standing and he did get up a couple of times from bottom. I thought one takedown per round, the round's over because he can't get up. But he did get up a couple. I think in the first round he managed to get up and maybe there was once in the second round as well. I can't remember. I thought... My biggest issue with Biggie Boy, why are you... I understand he's a counterpuncher, but why are you trying to counterpunch a wrestler? 
Like, I don't understand why he didn't take the same tactic that Garner did against him and just go in there and wail on him. Like, Rosenstroke hit so hard. I mean, he, I think he actually, you know, how Blade's eye puffed up. Yeah, that's actually from a Rosenstroke jab. We've, we were spoken. We spoke about this in the last podcast. Oh, was that not from the knee? No, no, it was from the jab. So the 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 knee kind of landed on the cheekbone, but the jab like landed on the actual eye socket and busted it up. But it just, yeah, I felt I came out of that fight feeling really frustrated because I've kind of felt like it was the. I don't think Blades is going to get a title shot or anywhere near an interim shot or anything. Well, he can't, can he? So. Because he's already been no. smoked by Ngannou twice. So it's such a such an awkward position for him to be in as well. Because like I think they said on the broadcast, he's been the favorite in every fight he's been in in the UFC, which just shows you how like highly his wrestling is thought of. But yeah, he you can't throw him in there now with Ngannou because it just doesn't make sense. He's already been smoked by him twice. Um, so he's kind of in a weird in a weird limbo. Obviously, Jairzinho, there's only one thing for him to do is go away and figure out how to stop a wrestler. Um, but like I said, to be fair, he did a bit better than I thought he would, um, keeping that fight standing. I don't, even, um, I don't even know if it's just to stop a wrestler. I just think he needs to throw more. I don't really understand why someone would... Like, I understand from a kickboxer. Well, I think it's it's one and the same, isn't it? Because because he's worried about the wrestling and knowing that he's not up to that standard, he's probably then tentative about throwing more because it only takes one mistimed you know, punch and and Blades would be in on a double leg. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a weird, weird scenario that both of them are in, I feel like, now. Yeah, I, I feel like the heavyweight division... I actually feel like the heavyweight division is in a bit of a state of flux because you have, like we'll talk about them later, but Dalkus and, and Aspinall, but neither of them... I mean, this is kind of what frustrates me. Neither of them really want a title shot, but then you have Garn, who's gone all the way in, like, eight fights and yeah. looked amazing. Like, it kind of doesn't really make much sense to me. And then you have Blades, who's floating around but not really going to get there because as you say he's been smoked by Ngannou and Lewis you have Derek Lewis who just got pieced up by Cyril Garn, so he's kind of in a weird position because he has that win over Ngannou but can't really get given, given a shot it's just a bit of a, like an amalgamation of lots of different jigsaw puzzles that don't really quite fit together yeah, <laughs> and then on top of that you've got you know what's going to happen with John Jones so it's just yeah really weird anyway um, what was before that Andrade and Calvillo um, I mean this is, we predicted it the, the gap between Shevchenko and the rest is huge. But then I would argue the gap between Andrade and the rest after that is huge. Um, in this At this weight, she's just so powerful, so dangerous. Um, this is, I mean, just another example of how violent she is. Do you know what I mean? There's not many women as violent as Jessica Andrade. And um, Calvillo just, she's never, so, I mean, she just never really looked like she should be in there, to be honest. We were really hard, weren't we? We thought we oh I thought Sakavia's like, boxing was really good. And I thought it might be a bit I I, I thought she was gonna lose, didn't think she'd get finished. I thought her boxing would be a bit crisper, but Andrade kind of just landed one and she kind of backed away immediately. Yeah. I was like, okay. Well, I I've think what, after what Shevchenko did to Andrade, that was you know the route to victory I'd be looking at for Calvillo was you know, we know how good a wrestler she is. So yeah, her boxing's improved a lot in, in her time in the UFC, but you know, can she get a can she get it into you know drag Andrade into those later rounds and um, you know, keep her on the mat for a bit, like Shevchenko did, maybe without crucifixing her to death. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, once Andrade lands, and I feel like that's the case for a lot of women that aren't Valentina Shevchenko, that just as soon as she lands, because I mean, she finished Chikagian with a body shot, like she is scary. <laughs> you, I see you've put on the notes, can't beat Mother Nature. Is, is Mother Nature our secret word for Brazilian roids now, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, allegedly, allegedly. Oh, sorry. Um, Alleg- alleged Brazilian Royce that she's definitely <laughs> allegedly taking. Um, <laughs> what, what was before that? 
oh, this was my this is my favorite fight of the night just because, um, yeah, I mean, the absolute insanity of uh, of Mayrab and Marlon Moraes. Um, I mean, is it a Marlon Moraes fight if you don't think, oh my god, he's the best fighter ever for the first two minutes and then he dies? You've just summed it up so perfectly. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh here, just because it was it was everything we we said it was going to be the week beforehand. We said Mirab's going to come, sorry, Mar- Marais is going to come out really fast, and Divas is going to probably catch him. And well, I thought he'd get a stoppage. You thought maybe he'd decision him or beat him up, and then maybe get a, a submission or something. But yeah, it's just. I mean, the, the problem so, for Marais is it's not even hard to predict anymore. Like he's he's a bit chinny. His gas tank is terrible. Um, right. Yeah. You know, people talk about fast twitch muscles. He, I think he's got the most fast twitch, the fastest twitch muscles in the entire <laughs> roster. Like he just throws a few powerful shots, and he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> well, as you say about the, the getting getting smoked, but like I, I can't even remember the last time Mirab finished someone with punches. I think he must have the softest hands in the division, or at least the light. I, I think like... he had no finishes in the UFC. His last finish was the. The spinning breakfast that he got, um, <laughs> which kind of sums it up. I can't even point to what order that was in, but um, yeah, it was pre UFC. So, as you say, so probably what, like 2014, 2015, something like that. Like, it just, I'm, I'm sorry, if you're getting finished, if you're getting knocked out or stopped by Mirab Divish, really, you probably don't really belong in the UFC. I think Mirage's time in the UFC is kind of done. I'll be honest. I mean, I, yeah, I, he's on what, a three. Three three fight losing streaks, Sanhagen, Font, and and Mayrab. And I mean, it's a beastly run of names. To, you know, it feels harsh to say that, but um, yeah, I have to agree with you. To be honest, like, where does he go from here? They, he's a you know former title challenger. They're gonna put him against you know unranked guys to to build him back up again. I just doesn't seem worth the time. Imagine him against like Adrian Yanez. Like, yeah, and as if if Yanez makes that out the first round, he's gonna knock his head off. It's just yeah, I don't really want to see that. I'll be honest. I quite like Mirage. I, th- I think I think his, his kind of run in the UFC has kind of been overlooked by the fact he's been flattened in his past three. But yeah, just what, do you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm really trying hard not to laugh. I think the corner of the year or the moment of the year was just Matt Serra just wailing on Tivashvili for like two minutes after he'd been like dropped. And I'll tell you what, we talk about Chini. I mean, I don't think I don't think I, I saw some takes being like, oh, Mirab's a bit chinny. I don't think Mirab's chinny. I think Mirage just hits like a truck. Like, no, yeah, Mar- when Marlon connects, he's dangerous. It's just he's only dangerous for three or four minutes. I actually, I don't understand. So Mirab did a bit of a stanky leg. I don't know how he stayed up. Like, you know when he like backed up against the cage? Yeah. How he kept his wits about him, I have no idea. Like, And then to, I think he took him down. Did he take him down at the end of the round? Uh, yeah, he spent the last like 30 seconds wailing on him, kind of like how Volk did to Ortega in that round three. Um, just, yeah, oh yeah, because he picked him up with double leg, didn't he? And then drove to, yeah. Absolute insanity. If if you want to watch any fight on this card or two fights on this card, watch Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway, uh, Alex Volkovsky, and Marlon Rice versus Mirab Divashvili, and you won't be disappointed. I would actually argue that Mirab and and um, Mirage is. I mean, I know it was only two rounds, but it probably is one of the fights of the year as well, just because it was yeah, so it was crazy. just so much, yeah, it was just ridiculous. I mean, the the swing of like the live odds. You know how they come up with the live odds. Um, I bet if they'd shown them, like had them up the bottom the entire time, the swing would have been hilarious to look at. Um, what do we have before that? Was the uh, was that the, that was the feature prelim, right? So before that, we got oh, uh, Dan Hooker knows how to wrestle now. Who knew? Where has this come from? What have the city kickboxing been doing? What, how has this happened? I I thought you know 
He was in a bit. Of a, let's be honest. Hooker was in a bit of a tricky position. He'd just come off two losses. I missed it against Dustin Poirier and um, Michael Chandler, but he looked really good. And I, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Hackgrass, but he kind of just outclassed him everywhere. Like, <laughs> didn't really have any trouble at all, and he used his length so well. What I love about Dan Hooker is he's just a he's a people's fighter, isn't he? I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone who doesn't like watching Dan Hooker fight. Like the Hangman just brings it every time he steps in the octagon. He's entertaining on the mic. He he knows how to cut a promo. He knows how to engage with the crowd. Like, I think he's magic. I'll be honest. I really do. I, I really hope I hope he gets some momentum behind him now. And I kind of hope he goes back on a bit of a run because I do think it'd be fun to watch him. I'd love to watch him. I know it's crazy because obviously where he is in the position, people have beaten him and so. But I'd love to see him fight Oliveira. I think that'd be an amazing fight at some point. Just because both are a bit like defensively frail, but also really technically skilled and like. But they're kind of opposites of each other, like, but also a bit lanky. I think stylistically, it'd just be so fun. I'd, I mean, if I'd that's the so standing, I'd give Hooker a genuine chance at knocking Charles out because, and you know, Charles is one of my favorite fighters, but he he has been you know known to stanky leg here and there. Um, he has been a little <laughs> bit chinny at times in the past. So, and I mean, in in his title fight with Chandler, he showed you know great courage to come back through adversity. He was nearly finishing that. So, um, yeah, obviously Hooker will need to keep working on that wrestling before he goes into that, if that ever happens, if he ever, you know, strings two or three together to get back there. Um, or maybe if Charles loses a couple. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if that stays standing, that would be such a fun fight, like you say. And, um, yeah, just good to see good to see Dan back in the win column because, like you say, he is a fan favourite. Um, at least when he's in there, I, I, I see a lot of people give him hate on Twitter, I think, just because... Uh, I think people don't like when people only like when certain fighters are cocky. When certain fighters are cocky, it's cool. And then when the fighters who they don't, the you know, the, the social media crowd doesn't think are allowed to be cocky, they're like, oh, shut up, bitch. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's so there's certain fighters yeah. that get a pass for it. And uh, and Hooker doesn't seem to be one of them. But hopefully, maybe that's changed after um, such an incredible performance. Um, what we have before that, Chris Dorcas. Bloody hell. Um, I thought Durakimo was going to win this just purely based on experience. Um, I know he's come off a layoff, but. Um, I thought he could wrestle if he wanted to. I thought stand-up wouldn't be that big of a gap, even though Dorcas obviously has insanely fast hands. But uh, boy, did I underestimate Chris Dorcas. The policeman from wherever he is has got hands, hasn't he? He knows how to throw them. Like, what I, what I really like about Chris Dorcas is he... I mean, you look at him, he doesn't look like the most athletic chap. Let's be real. He's yeah. quite out of shape. But his striking, his boxing is just so, so clean. He reads the range so well. I mean, he couldn't miss really. I don't think he. Actually, I don't think he missed. I don't think he really missed many. I think he might have missed a couple. But Abdurakimov, who, as you say, is way more experienced, is trained by arguably one of the best kickboxers to come out of Russia, and yet got pieced up on the feet. Like I was just, it, and I would actually argue that fight could have been stopped in the first round. I thought Abdurakimov was actually out at one point, um, but I don't think the ref really noticed it. But yeah, it was just. <laughs> I was really blown away, actually. I think Dorcas and I think Dor- like Dorcas and Aspinall and, and Garn, it's like this new I mean I hate to say it, but it is this new wave of the heavyweight era. You've seen these in fact I feel like it's the kids who've grown up watching Stipe Miocic. <laughs> like they know how to like stand properly. They're not, like they're, they're almost like boxers, but they've got the jitsu and they've got the wrestling. Like even when it went to the ground, like, you know when he dropped him and he followed him to the ground. Yeah. And I, I think before the finish. Abdurakimov obviously, obviously is quite well rounded off the ground, but I, I was a bit worried about that, but I think what impressed me was the way Dorcas just controlled him with his, like almost like how Volk did with Ortega. He kind of like 
used his body weight to hold him down and then like just wail on him and, and put him away. It was really, really impressive. I think his game, I think his fight IQ is off the charts. And I, I'm, I mean, we know who he's got next. We've, we know he's got Derek Lewis. I don't know what you make of the matchup and of the fight, but I think that's quite a dangerous one. I, I never know what to make of any Derek Lewis fight because, I mean, it's just Derek Lewis, isn't it? Like, that could easily be Dorcas dominating him for uh, for 25 minutes. I think it's a main event for a fight night. Um, you know, Lewis has a hell of a chin on him and could easily just stand there and get pieced up at range um, for the most part. Or, um, you know, it's Derek Lewis, so he could just sleep with one shot. So I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I, it's too early for me to give a prediction. But, um, you know, I won't be underestimating Dorcas again. Let's just say that. Um, what did you the, make of his actual performance? Were you impressed? I was very impressed. Um, I, like I said, I had money on after chemo, so I wasn't too happy about it. But um, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it could have been stopped in, in the first round. Um, I mean, if, if he wasn't knocked out, he was um, not defending himself intelligently. Let's just say that. And uh, after that knockdown. So, yeah, I mean, he basically smoked a guy who I think quite highly of. I think it's kind of a little bit underrated because of these um, spells of inactivity that he's had. Um, he basically smoked him twice in one night. So, um, yeah, to say I was impressed, I think it'd be an understatement. Um, there's been another sort of, I think, interesting matchup made in the heavyweight division for uh, January 22nd, which I believe is the planned card for Izzy versus Rob. Um, Alexia Linick versus Greg Hardy. This is such a weird matchup again, because you could see Hardy smoking him with one shot. Alexi's very old. He's got a lot of miles on the clock. But we know Hardy can't really grapple. Like how much? How much of that gap has he made up in the in the time since leaving the NFL? You know, it's not a bajillion years of experience like Alenic has. What, what do you see that happening in that fight? I see the boa constrictor doing what he does best, just dragging him to the mat and putting him in a really uncomfortable position that he can't get out of. Honestly, that that's my. I think you'll flatten him out and submit him. I'll be honest. I, I don't. I think this is Greg Hardy's goodbye. I think this is him done for good. I, I don't. I don't really see him because if you lose to Alexei Olenek, you kind of have nowhere else to go, right? Like, who else are you going to fight? Like Morris Green or someone like that? It's it's a weird, weird state to be in, especially because all the marketing and promo they've given him. And I really like Olenek, man. He's just a nice guy. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Really, really friendly. Really friendly chap. And. Well, we all know my thoughts on Greg Hardy and how I don't think he should be in the FC. But... <laughs> a, a, a Linux, a really friendly chap who will put you to sleep in like five seconds. Um, <laughs> what do we have? Uh, what was there? Any other fights in the car we wanted to talk about? Um, Talia yeah, Santos, 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 who we love and are really high on. A um, little disappointed. I think that she didn't get the finish, but I mean, it is Roxanne Modafferi. She is very tough, very experienced. So, um, you know, just, the, I guess. The Donald good, Cerrone of the. Yeah, <laughs> with a better chin. Um, <laughs> a good a good name to uh, to put on Santos' resume for sure. And um, a hell of a performance as well. I don't think there was ever really any doubt within like the first couple minutes that that was going to be completely one-sided. I'll tell you what, she her conditioning has improved massively as well. Because I remember, in, I think it might have been the Molly fight, which kind of, not necessarily gassed in the third round, but she looks a bit tired. And against Modafferi, who's I wouldn't say Modafferi has necessarily like the best cardio, but she's kind of an annoying opponent because unless you like really put her away and put damage on her, she doesn't really go yeah. away and she stays at you and keeps on needling at you with like little jabs and things. But Santos to me is just like a physical specimen. Like you look at her and you're like, yeah, you could fit in with like an Olympic team or something like that. She's just athletically so well built. But what really impressed me was her. 
I mean, yeah, I was a, I, I was disappointed she didn't get the finished, but what really impressed me was just the way she kind of broke Modafferi down. Like in, the, in the first round, she was just like, I think it might have been a body shot, which I mean, there was a there's a bit I can't quite remember if it was the first or the second round, but I think it was I think it might have been the second round where Santos lands a body shot, and you can see Modafferi like wince, and I, I think I think Santos was kind of conserving a bit of energy. But and she almost didn't really get out of first gear. She was just yeah. kind of going through the motions, kind of thing. She just was sticking to her game plan and just putting it on her. But she did it. She almost cruised. And like, who cruises to a, a win over Roxanne Modafferi? Like, it's kind of you kind of know you're going to get a bit back. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. there wasn't really a moment where she kind of looked in danger at all, or was even. It was almost like Modafferi was an annoying, fl- annoying fly or something. She was trying to swat <laughs> like. She didn't really have any trouble with her at all. I was really impressed. Yeah, I've not seen anything on on Santos's next matchup, but um, I mean, you'd have to imagine that that you know on a big pay per view, like you say, to dominate someone like Roxy was a bit is a bit of a pain in the ass to fight. And um, who would you put her up against? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the rankings since since the fight, to be honest. But um, I'm sure she's due a, a little bit of a jump. Um, but yeah, like we've been high on Santos for a while, and um, she didn't didn't do a stock any uh, any harm there, did she? Um, there was one other fight I wanted to talk about just because it was amazing. Um, and I mean, the amount of fights on the, on this card that like could have gone one way, could have gone the other way. Um, Jalen Turner and Euros Medic. Um, Medic, I said beforehand, I think he might be a bit of a fraud because he's got a contender series win against a bum. He's got a UFC debut win against a bum and his five wins before that were in Alaska. Um, I think even though he lost, he... I'm, I'm going to take that back. I don't think he's a fraud. I think he's going to be a lot of fun in the UFC. I think he's going to get wins in the UFC um, because his striking is like legit, like scary, legit. Um, you know, it's not just diverse. It's not just quick. It's not just well-timed. It's vicious as well. Like you can see why he's got so many KOs on his record because he goes in there to kill people. Um, unfortunately, Turner is much more experienced than any opponent he's fought thus far and um, and is also a really fun fighter. And did you see afterwards, Turner posted, um, he stepped on the scales. His, his coaches told him to step on the scales, he said, after the fight. And he posted it on his Insta or Twitter or something. And uh, he was, I think, like 181 pounds or something for a lightweight fight, which, you know, Medich is a big guy as well. But, I mean... Jeez, like that is just insane to think about. Um, that the, you know he's a hundred and eighty pound lightweight in there. So um, yeah, I mean, great great turnaround by Jalen Turner, and um, again one of my favorite fighters because he subbed the uh, the dog fighting asshole Brock Weaver. So there you go. Um, shout out Jalen Turner. Um, we got a couple matchups announced this week in the uh, in the old bantamweight division. Things are heating up. We do. I. I don't know what to make of Corey Sandhagen versus PTN. I'll be honest. I think it's... Because I, I, I kind of wrote an article about this today. I was saying it's weird because both fighters are coming off losses and both fighters have lost lost the champion and yet they're both getting an interim shot. It kind of is. It's like a weird... It's like if you think I about it, it's kind about of it a like conundrum. Um, mainly because I, I still think of Jan as kind of the champion. Like I know we both agreed at the time it's his fault. He made the bad decision. He broke the rules and he deserves to suffer the consequences. But you also have to look at the performance and the performance was a dominant one against a very good contender in Aljo. So, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't really... It's it's a weird one. Again, it's like what we said about a couple of the, the other fights is 
I, I look at Jan and I'm like, okay, he's probably going to dominate. But Sandhagen has that, you know, s- some flying spinning shit to, you know, do something crazy and, and knock someone out. So it's it's another one of those where I'm looking at the one side like, okay, he should win. But, you know, similar to the Dorcas Lewis fight, obviously not in terms of power. But um, I feel like Sandhagen is that type of guy who could just do something crazy and, and blow everyone's minds and win. So, um, yeah, there's also Rob Font and Jose Aldo as well. Um, I think that's a few months later, December 4th. Um, I mean, two, I think, two fan favorites here. Font doesn't have, obviously, the the uh, the fame that Aldo has, but in terms of fun fight style, this is just... I'm, I'm, there's going to be no bets from me on this. There's going to be no picks from me on this. I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to sit on the fence and enjoy the violence. I think, I think this is Rob Font's time. I'll be honest. I, I think Rob Font's going to be a bit too big for Aldo, which sounds weird because Aldo's coming down in weight. But I think at bantamweight, Font's actually quite a big bantamweight. So it'll be interesting. And he has that like long, that. powerful jab as well. Yeah. Like, arguably oh, yeah. the best jab in the UFC. Aldo Scottish is going to be getting a lot of, of work. It's a really, it's a good opportunity for Font. He gets a chance to, to make a statement against a guy who is revered and, and held in such high regard around the world. Like, but also equally, it's a chance for Aldo to go, no, hang on a second, I belong in this division and I can put it on a contender. Like I feel like if he beats Font, he's not that far. I mean, it actually, I feel like if he beats... It, for me, this is almost like the second number one contender fight. Like if you yeah. beat whoever wins this one, it's probably going to be fighting for the title after the winner of Sterling and Young. Aljo and like the interim tough. person. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> what a fun, ridiculous, confusing situation this division has gotten itself into. And Thanks, where's TJ? Where's TJ? <laughs> like, I mean, I know he's injured, but like, where does TJ fit into all this? Obviously, he's the one who beats Sandhagen. Maybe it's his just... injuries are uh, are even worse than first feared um, because, you know, maybe... Maybe it's I the mean... EPO cycle. Who knows? <laughs> like we said, I mean, it was the Jan vs. Corey interim is October 30th. So if the winner well, that's, of that's, that's fighting that's Aljo... That's 267, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so the winner of that's fighting Aljo like maybe February, March next year, maybe. Um, then uh, the winner of that will be fighting the winner of Font versus Aldo like probably, I don't know, August next year. So you're looking at way down the line before TJ can get a title shot. So he's probably going to have to take another fight or sit on the sidelines for a long, long time. Could we see TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Carbrandt three? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, there's, there's also... Um, you know, looking ahead to next year, UFC 270, January 22nd, um, Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson, obvious number one contender fight in the middleweight division has been confirmed for that card. Um, and not confirmed, but pretty, uh, you know, pretty obvious is what's going to happen is the main event. There's going to be Izzy and Rob, which has been a long time coming. And I really am curious to see, um, is Izzy that far ahead of everyone in the middleweight division or was yes. Rob just really, um, you know, put in the worst performance of his life in their first fight. Because I think there's been a lot of talk about he kind of choked in that first fight. He kind of just rushed in. His head wasn't right. I know he took a break for um for various reasons afterwards. And I think that sort of creates a little bit of mystique. Um, but clearly you think, is he still too good for him? Um, again, it's the one where I like both guys, so I don't really mind. But uh, I think I'd have to leave I him. Saw, it's, well. not, it's not that I think he's too good for him. I think, I think there is an element. Of, I think it, it was Whitaker's worst performance of his career. But I think, I just, I, I think it goes back to game planning. I think Eugenie Behrman is a genius when it comes to fight IQ. And, and you've seen what I think he's doing so well, actually. And it's not something really people picked up on. In every interview, I don't think you, you watched his interview with Submission Radio recently, 
but he was basically like, oh yeah, it's Brunson next, not Whitaker, because Brunson's got a better resume in his past five fights. Like all that, like he's just it's mind games. They're just gonna unsettle Whitaker. Like it, it, it's so clever, and yet it's so obvious. I just, I can almost. I can almost see Whitaker making the same mistake again, purely because I kind of, I, I think Izzy's very good at getting in his opponent's head. You kind of saw that with Vittori, like Vittori wound himself up, and obviously that was a rematch. And Izzy does, I, 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 Izzy does well in rematches. I can't really see, I can't really see a way Whitaker wins the fight unless he uses his wrestling. But even then, he's got to try and keep him down. Whitaker, have we really seen him use his wrestling recently? I mean, kind of, he took Teal down once. Yeah, not really. That was it. Like. I don't, I don't think he beats him in a stand-up. So it, it, it's kind of, yeah, for me, for me, I kind of feel like it will be, it'll be over even quicker than the first one. I'll be honest. And that's not, that's no disrespect to Whitaker. I think Whitaker is understand, like undisputably the second best middleweight in the division. And I, I would argue one of the best of all time. I just, I just think Izzy has his number. Yeah. I, I, you make, you make a good case. I, I kind of find well, it hard Speaking to, of Brunson uh, Cannon here, by the way, Speaking of Brunson, kind of, I think Brunson just wrestles him to death for like three rounds. Well, it's the uh, it's the Cannoneer crystals against Blonde Brunson, so it's the, um, it's more the mythical battle that I'm interested in there, mate. Um, shall we skim through uh, this weekend's card? I've not had a chance to look at um, picking any official bets, but um, I have a few underdog fancies just on first glance that uh, I think you won't like one of them. Um, obviously, main event Johnny Walker and Tiago Santos. Um, what could you say about Johnny Walker? Have you seen he's got Michelle Pereira in his corner this this fight camp? Which I, I saw someone say, so I'm stealing this from someone. I don't I can't remember who it was, but they said, "Oh, what does Johnny Walker need? Oh yeah, that's right, more dumb spinning shit." Like that's the the one thing that he's already really good at is unorthodox, crazy spinning knockouts. Don't you? Why do you have Michelle Pereira in your corner? Go get someone who can teach you to stop a takedown, or you know, block a a, a straight jab that knocks you silly. Um, yeah, really. Um, I, I get Walker fights is another one that's impossible to predict, isn't it? Um, because he could get Kavanaugh, chinned at any moment. Does that mean Kavanaugh's not in his corner? Then? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't. I didn't see was, on Friday, so I'd imagine not. I didn't see whether it was replacing. I just saw that Michelle Pereira was going to be in this corner, which just seemed insane to me. I mean, it um, makes sense because they're both they're both managed by Paradigm, but that is also like, yeah, probably not the street smartest idea against a legit killer and the ghost of Tiago Santos. My only hope is that Santos doesn't take the easy route to victory, which I think could actually be an easy route to victory, which is to do what Nikita Krilov did to Johnny Walker and just wrestle him. Um, because I think Santos is good enough on the mat to do that and Walker is poor enough on the mat to do that. Um, I really just want to see them slug it out because, I mean, it's Johnny Walker. So, like, either he's going to be dead or his opponent's going to be dead. Um, you know, you just love love to watch the guy. Did you um, see that he said that 205 is there for the taking? I was just like, please yeah, make Johnny Walker he wants versus the, I think he wants the 205 belt and the 265, which is like, Johnny, your chin against Derek Lewis please, or, or Rosenstreich. Please put him right? in with Francis. I would pay for that. <laughs> please, no. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple other interesting fights on the card. Obviously, you're a big fan of uh, of Casey O'Neill. Um, but I was surprised to see Anthony Shevchenko as quite such a huge underdog here. Um, was she? Yeah, I, I, you know, I like to look for, um, you know, value on a, on a bet rather than actually, um, you know, just only analyzing the fighters. And she's a, a pretty big underdog. Like, not, not huge, but... Um, and that's surprising to me. I think it's a little bit sort of recency bias on oh, Casey O'Neill's this, you know, big hype new prospect who smoked a bunch of people. 
But um, like I said, not not doing official bets because I've not had a chance to research properly. But um, yeah, I might I might be having a little dabble on Shevchenko there, um, regardless of how high you are on O'Neill. So to caveat, Katie told me today she and Van she Valentina and Antonina trained together at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. Interesting, interesting. So I didn't know that. she's pretty she's pretty confident when it comes to what Antonina's style is, which is. Basically, I mean, I think Antonina's biggest mistake would be to try and take it to the mat because I think Casey's jiu-jitsu is just going to be way too good. Yeah. And I think in the stand-up as well, I mean, Casey's quite a tall flyweight. So kind of, I mean, Antonina has obviously spent years, she's the more experienced fighter. I mean, I think she's had 11, I think she's had 12 fights, maybe 9-3, and, and Casey's had seven. So there's a big discrepancy there. But I don't know. I think Eric Nixick in her corner, like... I've got Maybe a fun stat for you, though, just before you get too high on, on O'Neill. Um, Antonina Shevchenko's significant strike accuracy is the second highest in the UFC women's flyweight history. And, of course, the first highest is her sister, Valentina Shevchenko. But, so I just the reason I, the reason I think she's good value as an underdog is because it's, it's what I talked about with, uh, with Turner and Medic last week. It, you know, Casey is a great fighter and a huge prospect and is going to go really far, but she's never fought anyone this good. This is by far her best opponent that she's fought, and um, I don't know. But having said that, she is also the B Tech Shevchenko. So yeah, true, true. She's the little version. She's not, she's, as Casey, <laughs> as Casey told me, she's not her sister. <laughs> that is very true. Um, well, we we talked about, by the way, um, poor, while we're on the topic of poor cornering from her. Okay, that's maybe harsh. Maybe Pereira will be the best corner of all time for Johnny <laughs> Walker. Personally, I don't see it. Um, did you see Kevin Holland has got uh, Johnny Hendricks in his corner? Like, of, no, of all this talk about, um, what was it, uh, going to Dagestan and learning to wrestle, he ends up finding the laziest UFC fighter in history to be his his wrestling coach. Like, you know, maybe it will have improved, maybe it will have improved, and I'm being too harsh, but um, this seems like a pretty easy to call fight one way or the other. Either Dorcas lies on top of him for 15 minutes or Holland destroys him on the feet because Dorcas' striking defense is terrible. I think Kevin Holland is the manal cape of the middleweight division, which sounds really, really harsh. Yeah, <laughs> got, I know, I know what you mean. He's got the physical tools. He's got like that sort of exciting style that you think, oh my God, he's going to smoke someone at any moment, you know, with a flying knee or, you know, crazy kick or something. But um, this just doesn't seem to put it all together. And there's those obvious holes there that can be exposed. I think his biggest mistake was not going with like Javier Mendes. I feel like that would have been the, the I mean, he, he went and trained to AKA and yet didn't stick at AKA. Like just kind of, to me, that sounds like, okay, so AKA didn't work out for you. Why? I'm, I'm going to ask him that question actually. I'm be like, so why don't you use Javier Mendes in your corner? Because Habib did all right in the UFC, didn't he? Like, <laughs> he was an all right wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like I said, going and going and getting Johnny Hendricks instead. Um, but having said that, I think Dalkus is just going to die. I'll be honest. Yeah, like I said, Chris uh, Chris Dalkus is. Oh, sorry, I've got Chris Dalkus written on the notes there. Kyle Dalkus is Chris's younger brother, and uh, he's nowhere near as developed as he is on the feet. Um, he is a very good wrestler. He's probably the better wrestler of the two. But um, yeah, as we as we saw in his was it his last fight or the one before? Um, Brandon Allen. Yeah, he got. He's, he's been absolutely no. But I think Brandon Allen mauled him on the mat, if I remember correctly. Um, let me just quickly bring up who he fought last, because whoever he fought last or Whenever his last loss was, it was a brutal, like, just beat down on the feet. It wasn't Stoke first. That was the only one, wasn't it? Uh, let's have a look here. 
Oh, Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes oh. beat the crap out of him on the feet. Um, which well, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Because they haven't have an older connection there. Yeah. So, so yeah, pretty fun one there. And and again, like I said, I think it's it's going to be it's whoever wins that. I think is going to look like they should have been a massive favorite afterwards. Either, either Holland's going to smoke him on the feet, or Dorcas is going to destroy him on the mat for fifteen minutes. Um, I think Chris said that he's going to be in his corner, didn't he? He's sticking around in Vegas for that. Yeah, night. he's still there in Vegas. Yeah, to corner him, which is cool. Um, one more fight I did want to mention: the goat of fun fights, Jamie Malarkey. Um, never forget his fight with uh, with Brad Riddell, one of my favorite fights of all time. Um, just because they both said, "Screw defending, let's just, let's just try and kill each other," and somehow it made it to the full fifteen minutes, which still blows my mind. Um, it's fighting Devonte Smith, who had a crazy streak of knockouts, a bunch of hype around him, and then got smoked by Karma Worthy, who isn't very good. So this is an interesting matchup as well. Yeah, I kind of. I think Jamie Malarkey is like the Shane Young of the division. Like, I'm not. I don't really think too much of his technical ability, but he's like fun to stand and bang. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, the, there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of guts. Yeah. I think, and it's tough. I'm pretty sure Malarkey trains with Volk as well. Yeah, he trains with them now. Yeah, um, I don't think he did when he fought Riddell, but I think since no. then he's joined up with them. Um, so you know that's obviously going to make massive improvements to his game. But at the same time, you never know with a guy like Devonte Smith who could spark you out at any moment. Um, but Malarkey's well, been finished before, hasn't he? Uh, I'm not sure. He's not. I don't think he's been finished in the UFC um, because he, like I said, the defeat to Riddell was a decision, um, and then he, I think he fought Faraziam and lost a decision, maybe, and then got. Uh, an absolutely beautiful KO on Karma Worthy, who of course himself knocked out Devontae Smith. So, um, yeah, I think MMA math doesn't work though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously Malaki's going to knock him out. Um, yeah, I think again, it's um, it's an interesting one, and I think it's one that I might lean the underdog on. Malaki's the underdog, and um, you know Smith has really... Cowboy Oliveira as well. This is Nico Price. That was been a fun fight. Oh that been nuts. How did I even miss that fight? Oliveira and Price. This whole this whole week I've been thinking this card's a bit meh. Like, I'm excited for the main event. I'm excited for Casey and Antonina. Um, but yeah, all of it, I mean, two guys there. You just, yeah, you, impossible to predict either of them because you never know what they're going to do. Um, yeah, I, I had no pick for that, but enjoy the I think Cowboy. I think Cowboy would be a bit too big for Nico. I think, I think Price is like. the favourite. Um, like I said, I haven't looked through bets properly, but That's I think Price is, is, is a favourite. I guess like maybe Oliver lost his last one. I can't quite remember. I just like I get, I like Cowboy. I think he's just funny. It's just like crazy Brazilian. Well, cowboy. he always goes for the kill because he needs those performance bonuses for to like feed his like thirty five kids. So um, <laughs> you can always bet that he's going to go in there and, and put his life on the line because uh, you know he's got a lot to fight for. So um, yeah, shall we? Uh, shall we wrap up and um... Ooh, Cage Warriors and Bellator? But oh. it's nothing really interesting because the cards are kind of wham. Although if you like MVP. He's fighting, I guess. That's fun, right? I mean, the promotion has not been great, but make sure to tune in. Do you want to know how bad the promotion is? I, I forgot until you said. I was about to say, let's wrap up. I'd completely forgotten Bellator was even on this weekend. So, um, yeah, there you go. There's your promotion, Bell. So after we've talked about UFC... It's not even this weekend. It's on Friday. Like, why, why haven't they put a fight card on Friday? Oh, because I don't want to compete with the UFC. That's why. <laughs> they couldn't compete with a UFC card that's distinctly average. Um, yeah. I think that's uh, Cage Warriors Trilogy as well, which is actually, that's quite fun. That's Paul, probably Paul get, Hughes. Morgan get more views in the UK than Bellator, probably, even though Bellator's an iPlayer. I, I, yeah, we're going to have to have a podcast where we just like question Bellator's strategy because 
I might. I think they should have gone with Sky. I don't really understand the whole BBC deal. Like it it's not the right made, crowd, really, is it? No, they'd like, have made more money going on Sky, and they could have followed on from the boxing or something. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, like BT, for instance, with Frank Warren and the UFC. And Sky of, would have pushed it a bit as well. Like you know, not a lot, but they would have tried to compete with BT because BT had the UFC. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's leave let's leave um, ranting for about Bellator's day. bizarre promotional decisions to another day, shall we? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I don't want to keep you too long. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 